Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Take Up Space podcast. I hope you all are well. We are in a different location today for anybody that is watching on YouTube. We are currently in Dubai, which is very, very exciting. We are here for who knows how long. It's the end of the UK show season. I have got around five girls left to compete this year. We've got Sophie competing next weekend in Prague. We have got Jen and Hordis competing in Denmark this weekend. And then we have got four girls competing at the at the, the Masters Amateur Olympia in Spain. So it's going to be a really good opportunity for my girls that are over 35 because there's 42 pro cards at that show, which is absolutely insane but came over with Catherine we're here have a little bit of downtime but we have got lots of awesome guests lined up and we have got the first guest on the podcast today we have got Bex we have got fitness Bex we have got <laughs> Rebecca Farrell we she is someone that is an absolute workhorse you're a boss babe and I know that you said that when I was on your podcast but you literally are such a boss babe you are such an inspiration to so many women and you've got very much the same mindset as what I do you're someone that is relentless you're someone that shows up every single day and you are the queen of organization like yeah, a lot of my inspiration from stuff came from came from you. No way. Like your book club. Like the fact that you freaking read and do cardio oh, at the yes. same time. Game changer. It's the best thing ever. Honestly. No it's, dead time. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> I seen you do it and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm going to start doing that. And it's amazing. And I'm actually part of your book club. No way. A lot of my um favorite books are actually the ones that you've read so you gave me the inspo to read relentless and winning That's by my tim tattoo. grover oh my yeah. god is that actually yeah relentless in arabic i literally got it done when i was doing that chasing my pro card season in 2021 it was between shows and i was in alicante and i got it done because i was I have reading literally that book. got goosebumps yeah, tim grover my favorite book that's relentless. my favorite book of all time yes. as well for any of you guys that do like reading that's giving me goosebumps. I know a hundred percent read that those books because they'll totally change your mindset. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about mindset today with Bex, but for those that don't know, let's get a little introduction. Oh, God. Cringe. It was her birthday. Yeah, it was your birthday last weekend, two week, wasn't two it? Two weeks ago, yeah. Nineteenth October. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Get a little, little introduction. Okay. I'm going to get you guys to guess on YouTube how old you think Bex is. How young. <laughs> how young Bex is. Because <laughs> I was quite shocked. She certainly doesn't look her age anyway. But yeah, let's get a little introduction, okay. please. What do you want to know? I want to know everything. Let's let's just go with the basics first because you're an IFBB pro. Yeah. You're an online coach. Finally, co finally got there. <laughs> you're an online coach. Yes. You've got a freaking amazing, consistent YouTube channel. Thank you. you. Post videos every single week. I love yep. your weekly vlogs. And you've got your, your podcast as well. Yeah. 
And you're obviously married to Darren Carroll. Darren, yeah. a professional bodybuilder. Yeah. So you, there's a lot that we're going to talk about today. Oh, okay. So let's just have like a brief summary. Where did it all begin? My goodness. Um, okay. So before online coaching, I was a teacher a teacher for 10 years in education. So that's kind of why you can kind of guess where my age is at the minute. I came into online coaching pretty late, um, but I would say from a young age, I was always very ambitious, hardworking. I would say I got that from my parents. Um, Growing up in a working class family, three brothers, um, you know how it is, like you have to work to be able to put food on the table. My parents would work multiple jobs, things like like that. Um, And obviously growing up with three brothers, I was very competitive. Like they were into all the sports. I wanted to be into all the sports. Um, I wasn't a girly girl growing up. My mum would buy me dolls and things and I'd be like, well, I want to go and play next door with my brother who's doing like wrestling stuff in the ring. Can I do that instead? So I've always been a bit of a tomboy, I would say, growing up. Later on, I became a bit more feminine and found my femininity in that. But from a young age, I always was taught to work hard. You achieve and things in life when you put the effort in and the work in, nothing's gonna come to you for free. And my parents are absolute grafters and literally worked from the bottom up. So I think that was always instilled in me. So then going through school, I was very ambitious. We were always taught as well to be very outspoken, to be confident. You know, we'd have big dinners at the table with the whole family and it would always be talk about your day, share something, you know, what are you interested in, let's talk. It was never sit at the table and kids are quiet at dinner dinner time. Um, so I think in school, I was always pretty confident. I had the usual kind of ups and downs in school. In secondary school, I was bullied and things like that. Um, but I was always, I would say, quite academically attuned, smart. I got good grades in school, was interested in sports. I did play on like the football team, the netball team, things like that. And then I think when I got into secondary education, that's when my passion for things like literature reading really began got into drama so again that creative flair was there i did learn an instrument i played the guitar for a little while i can't play it anymore (laughs) don't ask me to play a tune on the guitar um but i got very much into like drama reading media i was good at all the other subjects if i'd worked harder in things like maths i probably would have got like an a in it but i wasn't interested in it at all i thought it was a bit pointless um and then it was when i finished secondary school and then went into college or what people call sixth form I then um, took media, drama, English literature, and French, weirdly, but then I dropped French because I was, yeah, that was that was hard. Um, and I think when I got all my grades there, that was when I would say probably the, one of the biggest turning points in my life because when you're in college, and I don't know if you've been through the education system the same as us and what it's like in Scotland, but when you're in sort of college and doing your sixth form and your A-levels, you have to make some serious decisions about your life at a young age. Yeah. And it's like you have to fill in a UCAS form and you have to decide, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And and fill in this form and it's going to tell you what you're going to be when you grow up. And, and I remember thinking, I don't know what I want to do yet. I have no idea. And I was going through all the normal things as a young girl would. You know, I was I had my first boyfriend and, and you know, you started drinking and smoking and doing all these kind of things that you do when you're younger. And I remember filling in this UCAS form and just doing it because that's what I was told to do. And it came out saying you would be best suited to public relations and the University of Westminster requires these grades for university. So it was like, okay, so I'm going to university. That's what I'm going to be doing. I had no idea that that's what I wanted to do. And I think for my parents, because they'd never been to university, they were like, the more you can do in education, the further you can go, the more successful you can be. They were like, great, apply. 
I applied, I got the grades and I was off to University of um, Westminster to do public relations. Do you know what public relations is? No. <laughs> right. How do we ask you? I literally was like, I had to Google it. I was like, I actually don't know what this is and how is this related to anything I want to do in life? I don't know. Would you so, say your parents did push you to make that decision to go to uni? I think it was a, well, that's what you do next. Like, because yeah. they never had the opportunity. You know, when my dad grew up, he grew up almost an orphan. Like, he, you know, he grew up in an orphanage for a lot of his life. And my mum grew up and she wasn't raised by her real parents, never knew her real dad. So I think for them it was whatever we can provide for our children and the best possible route to them being successful, well, yeah, that's what you do. So... I remember vividly having this conversation where I sat down in the living room with my parents and I went, I don't want to go to uni and do this. And they were like, why not? I was like, I don't think this is what I want to do. And my mom said, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> As mums do, yeah. you're not going to sit at home and be a bum. Um, and I said, I think I want to work with kids. Like, I really like children. Like, um, and obviously, you know, I'd been around kind of um, my aunties and uncles and they had children and I was very relatable to children. I loved being in that environment with them. And so my mum, smartly working for the council, she said, well, get a job as a teaching assistant, do that for a year. If you're going to have a gap year and not decide what you're doing, go and make it count, go and go to work. You know, I can look at the news bulletins. We can find out what kind of roles are available. And at the same time, you can learn how to drive because that's what you need to do. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I applied for a job. I got a job as a um, special needs um, support assistant for a child that had autism I was working as a teaching assistant, but alongside a, a specialist ABA tutor. Um, and I had no idea what this role involved, but I got very much into it. And I absolutely loved working with this child. And I worked with him for several years afterwards as well. So that was my kind of lead into education. And so once I finished that year, I then applied for my degree as a teacher. And I went to Winchester University. So I did the whole uni thing. Um, and then I came back, went straight into teaching. And in my first year of teaching, I applied to do my master's at the same time. So most people will be like, that's quite a lot of work. Like when I was a teaching assistant, I also worked a part-time job at the weekend, earning yeah. more money. I, I, I never really just did one yeah. thing. My whole life has always been, what more can I do? Yeah. It's like when I was a child and it was the first opportunity to earn pocket money, helping my mum around the house, do a bit of ironing, I was also doing a paper round or I'd go and work at Wenzel's, which is the local bakery. And they paid an absolute pittance for kids that are underage baking bread and stuff like that. So I've always had that mindset where it's, I can do something more. What else can I do? I was never satisfied with doing just one thing. And was your brothers like that as well? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I have three and they're yeah. very different in personalities. Um, I think, and I don't want to say this because they're all brilliant in their own way, but I think I was probably one of the hardest working in our, in our sibling group. Yeah. Like they all work hard in their own degree. And in fact, they've all been very successful in their areas of work. But I think my mentality is very different to theirs in the sense that I find it very hard to stop working. Yeah. So that's something that you'll learn about me very quickly and you probably already know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so when I then obviously got my degree and I started working as a teacher, I was doing my master's and I worked in teaching for a good couple of years, progressed very quickly because, of course, my, my mentality of, of work was like, what can I do? I'll become a senior leader. I'll lead the year ahead. And then I got scouted very quickly to work for an organization that was teaching other teachers how to teach reading and writing to kids because I was very passionate about that. That And my whole master's dissertation was on the teaching of phonics to, to kids with reading and particularly with special educational needs in mind. So I got headhunted, worked for that company for a good few years. That involved me traveling all over the world to train teachers in Tokyo, Malaysia, um, Cyprus, all over the UK. Um, and then it wasn't until I'd done that for a good few years. In the t that time, I'd also met my husband, Darren. 
Um, and then when we decided we were getting married, my contract was up for renewal and it was like, well, what do I do? Do I carry on doing this or do we do something else? And that's when we decided to move to Dubai and I went back into the classroom here. And then whilst I was over here, I worked in the classroom for almost two years, no, two and a half years. And at that time was when I kind of built my online coaching business. And then I made the split and yeah. just quit my job and then went full time. So I remember... Sorry, that's a really no, long flipping no, story. It's, it's amazing though. But... I remember when you moved to the D Dubai, mm -hmm. what, what was it? Because I remember you saying that you went to Dubai with nothing. Literally. And you you said that you and Darren had, I'm sure you said that you had collect debt. quite a lot yeah. of debt. Mm -hmm. And then do you think it was like the transition to online coaching and coming away from teaching? What do you think how, because obviously your mentality is a big factor there, but mm -hmm. was you a case of it like in like a sink or swim? environment yeah, when you was in the uk like yeah, was so there was, was that the reason why you moved to dubai because there were a lot of factors yeah and my husband's mental health was one of them as well so when darren and i first met way back in oh, 2014 maybe 13 i can't remember it was one of the body powers that's where we met oh! back when body power was good wait a minute so was you bodybuilding the full time you was teaching no as well? i never started bodybuilding until i started working for this other company so when okay. i was teaching um no so when i met darren i'd already moved to this company and was working as a consultant there but at the same time i'd left my previous relationship where i was for six years had a house sold the house and everything and that was what drew me to the gym i needed yeah. something i was like i need to do something so i got massively into the gym a couple of friends of mine were like, let's go to this body power expo thing. There'll be loads of cute guys there and we can go and get some free protein and all this <laughs> shit. I was like, all right, cool. We'll go and do that. I'll drive. And they were like, oh, but we're going to drink and pie. I was like, yeah, I don't drink. It's fine. I'll just drive up. It's cool. So we drove up and it's two of my girlfriends. And at the time, I think I had like a convertible because I'd sold the house and I was like, right, I'm buying a nice car. I'm doing something nice for myself. So I was like, yeah, I'll drive us in the nice car. We'll go up to Birmingham. Um, and we went to Body Power, met Darren there. At the time, I was fully single, was not looking for anybody. Um, he bumped into me because his cousin had been on a date with my friend. So it was a mutual kind of connection. And I remember him chatting to me and I was just like, oh, yeah, another bodybuilder, whatever. Okay, cool. And then um, <laughs> I honestly didn't think much of him. And then, um, not, that, not that that sounds awful, but it was more a case my friend was like, oh, he was really cute. And I think he was into you. And I was like, oh, was he? Like, I remember him being Irish yeah. and that was about it. Um, and then our whole kind of story is another whole thing, but, um, it was at that time I'd done a few photo shoots. I'd really got into the gym. I'd learned how to get really lean. I'd done like a Jim Stepani shortcut to shred kind of thing that I downloaded <laughs> off bodybuilding.com. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. And I'd done my first ever photo shoot to feel body confident and kind of learn to love myself again, having come out of this like relationship and, and finding myself because at that point, and now this is going to tell my age, but at that point I would was in a relationship for like six years and I was 27, 28. And I was like, my whole life I'd been in a relationship for six years with someone, four years with someone else. I was like, I've been in 10 years of relationships and I've not lived my life and I don't know who the hell I am. And so I did a bit of soul searching. I traveled a lot. I, um, I went, um, like I said, to Japan. I went to Barcelona. Um, I went to Spain, Paris. I did all the things I wanted to do. I dated lots of people and did all that fun stuff. And then um, when I met him, I was very much like, oh, I'm done now. I just want to focus on me. So I wasn't really interested when I yeah. met him. And then a few weeks later, I think, a couple of weeks later, he slid in my DMs on Facebook back then when Instagram Facebook, wasn't. Yeah. He found me on Facebook. <laughs> I think his cousin actually 
um, sent him my profile on Facebook and went, here you go, cuz, here's her details. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, a bit of that. So then we started chatting and then that's how our relationship developed. So I was never really into bodybuilding at that time. And then I met him and he obviously was preparing for a show at that time. Um, and we got talking and I started to understand a bit more about his prep and stuff. And then when our relationship became more serious and then he moved to the UK, that's when we really got into it together and we prepped together and that was when it was UK BFF still yeah and I did four peak weeks back to back I that remember. was when I was with Rob um, I, remember, LRF. Yeah, I remember seeing your first oh, I was tiny I love your first I, I was so happy to be there and I couldn't pose for shit yeah. and I was so small but it was I was with Rob and it was like you're in figure and I was like I really I wasn't I was probably bikini let's be yeah. honest but um we yes yeah, so we prepped together and during that prep I'm sure that was 2015 I did peak weeks back to back for four weeks because I did a regional and then I didn't place top three. Then I did the next one. I placed fourth. Then the next one I placed third and went, you got to go to the British finals. I was like, wicked. My season's complete. I can step on the British final stage. I knew full well I was not placing, but I was just happy to be there and the, to be like my first season of competing, I qualified for the British. Not that UK BFF is all, you know, anything really now, but at the time for me, that was a yeah. massive goal. Um, and it's funny because on my podcast, you mentioned about your parents not necessarily supporting you all the way. I remember during that prep, I didn't tell my parents I was doing any shows. I never told them anything. My mom just kept seeing me and being like, you're looking really thin. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just doing another photo shoot prep. She had no idea until <laughs> I stepped on stage. Wow. And then I sent her photos and was like, yeah, I did this thing. And it was like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I didn't tell anybody. Don't do that though, guys. I literally, no, I didn't tell anyone. It was just me and Darren and we were just doing it. Um, and then we did the British finals. And then during that prep, he actually proposed to me. He must have been on too much gear. Who knows? But he, he proposed to me midway through prep. And then the British finals, I think, was something like, I want to say November, October, November time, something like that. Possibly October. And then we literally decided to get married the following summer and then moved to Dubai. So it was all very quick. But the move to Dubai came about when I think Darren had moved to the UK. He was online coaching at the time, doing some PT work, doing other kind of odd jobs, um, but wasn't earning a huge amount of money. We were renting a house. We decided to move out together and rent a house in Watford. But I was paying all the bills, majority of them. Um, and it was causing us a lot of debt and a lot of stress. And I remember having this conversation. That I was like, I don't want to start married life in debt. I want to see if we can find a way out of this. I want to start afresh. I don't like living in this shit house in Watford. I was like, the area we live in is really rough. Like, it's not making me feel great. He mentally wasn't in a good headspace. So I was like, let's just go somewhere. Like, what's stopping us from going anywhere we want to go? Um, I was like, I'm a teacher. I can teach anywhere. You know, I could leave this company and go and work anywhere. And for some reason, Dubai came up. And I remember thinking, I know someone that's living in Dubai that's doing teaching. Let me just message her. And I messaged her. And um, she said to me, get on a Skype call with me ASAP right now. And so we chatted and she was like, with what you've done for consultancy work, you'll easily get a job in any school in Dubai and they pay for everything. And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, your flight's out, your accommodation, your visa, your healthcare, um, you'll be under contract with them and you can literally, and everything's tax free that you earn. And all I kept thinking was, we could clear this debt really quickly. If we were sensible, we were smart, I could do a two year contract, clear this debt and then make a decision about what we would do moving forward. And obviously we'd planned the wedding at the time. So I was stressing because I was thinking, oh, this cost the wedding. And my parents were like, don't worry, we'll pay this much towards it and blah, blah, blah. And in the course of living in Dubai for three years, I'd paid off or we'd paid off all of our joint debt that we had. I'd paid my parents back the 10 grand that they'd spent on the wedding that I was adamant I was going to pay back. 
and I started my online coaching business and left teaching for good. So by like 2019, June, I handed in my notice and we'd only moved um, August 2016. Yeah. So inspirational. I was determined. I was yeah. absolutely determined. But that's because of the mindset and the way that you, the way that you are and Darren's the exact same mm. as well. I learned so much from him about bodybuilding, about diligence, about adherence. Um, and his, what he sometimes jokes about his kind of robot mentality, that structure and routine is what helps him with his mental health, but also it's what's made him such an amazing athlete and a pro yeah. bodybuilder. And would you say you've got that similar mindset to him? And better, to I would say better over the years. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm still a girl that when I first competed, I did exactly what you did. And I hoarded all the food. I ate all the shit. I piled on the pounds afterwards. And year after year, my relationship with food has got better. Yeah. I went through a whole phase. You watch my YouTube. I've done 10K challenges, yeah. 15,000, 20,000. I love those though. <gasps> I did 20,000 twice. We're we not should. doing a challenge here in Dubai, Erin. No. Why not? <laughs> because I fixed my relationship with food. I'm not doing that shit anymore. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine no but we won't however I, but yeah so i think like yeah so that was pretty much kind of the move to dubai and why it happened and in the course of that time you know we've had very good times and we've had some very very low times as as a relationship and a couple and with darren's mental health and we've spoken about this openly and and he has too you know the first year we we moved to dubai it was extremely hard it's not the place it is now yeah. And we're not the people that we were then. I look back now and I think, oh my God, you know, we've come such a long way. You know, buying food was really hard. Like, yes, we had our accommodation and stuff, but we still had to, you know, pay to be able to eat, you know, get our fuel, do our, all the kind of things we had to do. And I remember we were prepping when we were in Dubai and we were getting like frozen chicken from Lulu's, which is like a low end kind of supermarket out here and, and just eating like frozen veg. And like, we couldn't afford protein powder even like things like that were really really tough um but I was adamant I wanted to pay all this money back and things like that um and we went through some very very dark times but it's made us a lot stronger yeah that was one of the questions that I did want to ask like when it comes to because your scenario is obviously a lot different to mine but how is it being married to someone that has got big goals because you did mention that you have got a love for for children and mm. that's why you was a teacher mm -hmm. like do you want your like we obviously spoke about like before the the podcast mm. as well about the fact that you've moved into a, a villa yeah for your doggo and potentially a family but yeah. would you are you happy to to talk go deeper yeah. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. that if you want yeah like how is it how is your relationship set up and do you want to have kids? This is an interesting question. I get asked it a lot. And it's one of those ones that people always ask me on Instagram. If I open up my question poll, it's like, oh, do you want to have kids? And in some ways, I find it quite an invasive question because yeah. it's assumed that a female wants to procreate. Yes. And it's like when you see a female that's in bodybuilding and doing all these things, it's going to limit her ability to procreate. So maybe she doesn't want to have children. Yeah. But then I also think, well, people aren't just being rude and nosy. Maybe there's someone that's asking that question that's maybe going through the same thoughts themselves. Yeah. So I try and be as honest and open as I can. I would say, and 
my parents will probably attest to this, is that I've been brought up in a family where culture, family is a big thing. Like we come from a Greek family. My dad's Greek, you know, my mum's English, but everything is about family and food and celebrations and all of that stuff. And as soon as we got married and we had a big fat Greek wedding, we got married in Greece. So the whole Greek family were there. And the first question on the dance floor, once we got married was, when's the baby coming? Yeah. That was seven years ago. Yeah. Um, And so the expectation is that, you know, you go through that in life and that, you kind of follow that 2.4 children kind of route. But I think over the years, and especially not more so bodybuilding, more so as I've built my business, my goals and my focus for that have really allowed me to see that what I can create for my life and potentially a family moving forward, there's still more to do. Yeah. Um, But in terms of being a mum, I think, yes, one day I would. But the hard thing for me at the moment is... Not that I'm a ticking time bomb. I'm probably the healthiest, I'm not going to say the age, out yeah. there. Um, and in terms of bodybuilding, I'm very healthy and very safe with what I do. So I don't have any issues there. But it's more so the older you get, the harder it's going to be to be able to manage that. And you don't know what's going to happen in terms of if we decide, okay, we want to start having children now. Well, how do we know that we can conceive? How do we yeah. know that Darren's fertile? You know, it's all of those things. And then when you do try... You hear it all the time that people go through that process and they're unsuccessful or like they miscarry and the older you get, the more risks there are. So I'm back and forth all the time. I'm not going to lie. The only honest answer I can give is that some days I'm like, yeah, I really want to be a mum. And then other days I'm like, no, actually, I'm okay with just my dogs and I'm yeah. okay with my business and I'm okay with leaving a legacy behind where I help other people yeah. instead. Yeah. So I, I flip back and forth. It yeah. depends on my mood and my day. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's some days where I'm like, right, I'm just going to freeze my bloody eggs because I don't, who knows, maybe I do yeah. want to in a few years' time and I don't want to have that limited option. And, and here in Dubai, they have all the clinics for all of that yeah. sort of stuff as well. It's so. a definitely a good idea because mm. age is just a number and, mm. like, you are such a successful person in every aspect of your life. Like, you've got multiple businesses mm. and obviously right now... <laughs> <laughs> I literally so I, I say that to Darren like sometimes yeah. like we look at the dogs and and he's such a doting dog dad oh my god he he treats them like babies yeah. he's such a sap and I look at him and I think oh he would make an amazing dad yeah. but then I think how the fuck would we manage it yeah how the fuck would we manage it and then people always say oh you just do you just cope and I think I'm not ready and they say oh you never are ready yeah but I, I honestly like my whole life would have to shift I'd have to think about how to manage it all yeah um the only perks of living in a place like Dubai is that, yes, we have a villa, but we have like a maid's annex. And yeah. everyone here in Dubai has live-in maids and they often get those to help with children because yeah. people work that work here are very corporate, high-end. They work long hours. It is the thing to do. Whereas if you were to say that in the UK, oh, I've got a live-in maid that helps me with my kids, they'd be like, well, you're a lazy fucker, just do it yeah. yourself. It's like, it's not. Like here you have the ability to be able to do that. So that also is an option. But then yeah. I don't know how I feel about someone living in my house. Yeah. And I remember watching one of your videos, mm. though, and you was kind of We went on down the, the edge. Route. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we, we've had a maid that would come and see us every week and, and stuff, and she was with us three years, and then we went down the route of almost getting her to move in, and then it kind of fell was through, be- and was I was because like, Because of actually, a garden or something? Because of the what? A garden? No. We moved in with a garden or something. What do you mean? You moved into your house. Yes. And you got a garden. Yeah. Was, some, was you wanting one to help upkeep the garden or oh, something? Oh, no, we have a gardener that does that. That's fine. You've got the yeah, garden. Okay. We have a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
I think I'm getting mixed up with two no, things because yeah. I remember you talking about oh, the Guardian. Don't. I'm <laughs> sorry. This is going to sound really Dubai. And anyone in the UK is going to listen thinking, oh my gosh, she needs to shut up. But yes, we have a gardener. We have yeah. someone that washes the car. We have yeah. a maid that comes. Like, I love that. Yeah. And do you know what? You would know this from running a business. Like, even just keeping up with the daily flipping washing. I'm sorry, but that seems to fall on us as females. Let's yeah. be real. Darren's not putting the washing machine on and I rather he didn't because he'll fuck it up. Yeah. So I'm just going to be like, that's my thing to do. But there's other jobs that he takes and it's fine. But like, even getting up and being like, you know, you wear a lot of clothes for training and stuff. Yeah. I'm putting on a wash and hanging it out every single day. Even that short time of doing that is taking away time where I'm doing a check-in, replying to an email, doing another business project. I feel like I'm constantly on a treadmill with work tasks and it would be nice to have that other kind of admin of life stuff taken away a hundred a hundred percent um and you're right it was a very invasive question but there is a lot of female this the majority of this podcast is females and it is a question that i get asked a lot as well yeah but my situation my mom constantly when are you having a kid when are you having a kid even my husband as well won't have a kid but for me, I'm just, I'm not really like a maternal person. Mm. And it's really difficult. It's, it's, it's hard. Like yeah. being in a situation where if you don't continue, because you can get cancelled at any time. Exactly. And coaching as well. Like it's not something that you're going to be doing mm. forever. Mm-hmm. Especially as females. I think there is like a... As you say, there's a t- like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. There's, but even even then, like it's about making sure that you get satisfaction out mm. of your life as well, and realizing that it's not necessarily a bad thing if you don't want to have children mm. or not. It's just doing whatever you think. And I think is times have changed. You. you know, like when our parents were younger, they had them very early. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like my parent, my mum had all of hers in her thirties. Like. I think it was like 27, 28, 31, something like that. It was all done and dusted. I'm like, so I think it's very different now. And it's it's more common now, I would say, or more accepted now, that women who want to be successful in business and, and go down that route of having a career, doing all the things they want to do in life, travel, and then being like, right, now I'm really have to kids yeah. at late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. That's actually a little bit more accepted now than it probably was, I would say, five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I I would agree. Like I think by the time I'm in my mid thirties, I'll probably mm. be ready to potentially have kids. But mm. it's yeah. You've just, still got plenty of time. Exactly. You've got plenty of time. It's Ex- just me, I'm the ticking time yeah. <laughs> Not at all. But let's go back then. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your first show. So you competed in the UK before. So you competed before you moved to Dubai or did you come back to the, okay. Yeah. So So I competed before we came to Dubai. That was 2015. That was the first season. That was four shows back to back British finals. Then 2016, it was, we were getting married. I did start a prep and I was like, I want to do a show before we get married because then I'll be lean for it afterwards. (laughs) But then the whole wedding prep thing, preparing a wedding in eight months, was like so stressful. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to freak out. So I just did like a little mini diet for it. Um, and then we moved in 2016, 2017. Did I compete in 2017 the following year? I think I did. I think that's when I did India. I think that was when, was that India? Oh my God. Was it? No, I can't remember now. Oh, I'm trying to remember. No, 2017, possibly I didn't. I think it might've been 2018 was India. Um, because that was when, no, I'm sorry. Let's backtrack. 
2016 moved. 2017, I did compete. I came back to Scotland and I competed in Glasgow in the Scottish Grand Prix because I wanted to qualify for an international show. And I had to get special permission from my school to let me go and do that. So I prepped whilst I was teaching out here. I remember that because wow. in Dubai, you have to cover up anyway. Like I wouldn't be dressed like this in a classroom. So I was always in like long flowy dresses and cardigans um, and AC is everywhere. So it was fine. So I remember that was 2017. I was like, right, I'd done a British one. I was like, I want to do an international show. I want to go to the Arnold. I want to do something fun like that. How do I go about doing that? So I did my research. And at the time, UK BFF was still happening. There was those shows in the UK where it was, you could do these particular shows and you'd qualify for the finals, the worlds or um, the Arnold's. And so I did the Scottish Grand Prix and I qualified there. I remember that. And then um, it was bloody freezing in Scotland, I tell you. <laughs> that was really fucking cold. <laughs> and I had to compete around half terms. So I couldn't take a huge amount of time off. So that one, I think, was during like the February half term or maybe it was Easter half term, something like that. And then I qualified and it was like I could make a decision. I asked my principal at the time, the, the, the um, principal of my school, and I said, look, I've qualified for this big event. I have three options. This is the show I really want to do. These are the timeframes. And he was like, we'll make it work. We'll find cover Aww. for you. You can take two days unpaid and then two days paid is fine. So, and he said, as long as we can put a newsletter in the school bulletin to be like, you're doing this competition, blah, blah, blah. We just can't show you looking half naked on stage in this country. Yeah. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I was like, yes, yeah. they did that. So that was in 2017. Uh, I went to the Arnold's in Barcelona. That was fun. Again, absolutely no expectations. I was like, and at this point, still natural athlete. So I was like, I'm just going there to just be like, Arnie's here. This is sick. I was like one of the biggest shows in the world. I was like, cool. So when I did that as an amateur and then 2018 was when the pro league kind of really built up and NPC started releasing all these pro qualifier shows. Um, and one of them was in, um, India. And I was like, that's close to us. Now the story about India. <laughs> I don't know if you want to know this story. Of course about I India. do. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> oh, probably the hardest prep because I wasn't ready, but it was too late because I'd already booked the show. So that was like, and at this time, um, Darren was prepping me since we moved to Dubai. Um, he became my coach when we left the UK. So Rob T. Malareff was my first season and then Darren was my coach afterwards. And so with India, I probably wasn't ready in time. And I remember being like three weeks out and doing like sprints on the treadmill, like 360 like freaking sprints a week or something ridiculous like this. Um, and it was like, I wasn't quite ready. I wasn't quite ready. I wasn't quite lean enough. But again, still natural at this point. So I was like, right, I'll just push on. We'll do it. We went to the airport. I'd bought our tickets. We paid for the show, um, tanning and everything. Got to there and they were like, do you have your visa for India? I was like, you need a visa to get into India? At check-in. Had no idea. This is how clueless we both were. So there we are thinking, right, everything that's telling me I shouldn't do this show. I'm not ready in time. I'm not lean enough. I've gone to the check-in desk and they're telling us you need a visa. We should have just gone, right, sack it off. Let's just not bother. No, I'm like, I'm not coming all this way. I'm not doing this freaking showdown. We're doing this. He's up on his phone trying to get an emergency visa, um, process really fast within three hours. We had to run to the gate to get in. All of this jazz. That was hilarious. And then when we got to India, pardon my French, but that was a shit show in itself. Like the whole organization of the Sherry Classic was appalling. And in a country that's really um, like a poverty country, essentially, yeah. and you're in New Delhi, that was really hard. So it was like monsoon season rain everywhere mud everywhere on the ground we walked through human feces in the street like it was oh. yeah it was not fun the registration was appalling um and then backstage it was really hard to find somewhere backstage that you could pump up as a female you'd have all these creepy indian men looking around trying to take photos yeah and then darren was just there he was like get the fuck away like i'm gonna call security um and then the show itself i placed um second in the overall i knew i wasn't winning the girl that beat me was absolutely peeled 
most likely a sister, but regardless yeah. of the point, it was I wasn't ready. Um, but that really gave me an inkling into, well, how a show shouldn't be run. Yeah. Um, but then also what the pro league really was going to look like, the pro qualifiers and stuff. So that was 2018. And that was the first, that was the, the first, first kind of pro qualifier. Pro qualifier. Yeah, where I came second. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the following year was 2019. Gosh, are we doing this whole journey? Okay, we're, we're going um, with it. No, we're, we're doing the, the Chronological. whole journey. Okay, yeah, right. I'm wanting, I'm wanting everything. We're too deep in now to go back because <laughs> that was one of the questions. Okay, okay. So 2019 then, that was, again, it was right. What shows are we doing? We did Muscle Contest in Ireland. Absolutely loved that show. Really enjoyed that prep for it as well. Probably one of the best I ever looked since... The other one before definitely had made improvements. Um, and that was the first time that I'd used a small amount of assistance. I remember being on prep and and being like, okay, I'd done all this research before, but I kept back and forth, back and forth. Do I want to do it? Do I don't want to do it? What the health tricks, all the rest of it. And then I remember sitting down with Aaron and I went, right, I've read up on all of this. I know this, this, and this. This is this is the way I'm feeling about it. What would I need to do to get one percent better now on this prep? And he was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it was very, a small amount and that kind of thing. And so that was kind of my entry into assistant use in 2019. Um, then we did Muscle Contest Island. I placed second there. Um, but again, very early in my bodybuilding career. And like I said, very little assistance. I was virtually natural going into that show. Um, and so placed second there. That was a great show. Really liked that look. Loved the bikini. And then we planned for a second show that year. So very much like you wanted to do two shows per year. Uh, did Alicante so the amateur in Alicante absolutely loved that show as well like you said Emilio puts on a fantastic yeah. show um and again I placed second in that one uh, <laughs> but I was up against a girl that was an absolute freak like had way more muscle but weirdly a similar physique to me but was like two years later yeah that's what I would have looked like in two years like if I stood next to her now we'd be very similar yeah um so she absolutely deserved to win but that was like my third second place uh, pro qualifier I know I remember yeah. I remember, like, it was, like, yeah. second place, second place. And they were big lineups in Alicante. Place. Yeah. Yeah. They were big. That was, like, 14 in the class, something and like that. What was your mentality then going into to that show? It was, like, was you going in, like, everybody obviously wants to win, mm -hmm. but was you in that, like, pro card hunt 100%. mentality? Like, well, you was literally not going to stop until I think in 2019 it. it was more, let's see if I've improved. Yeah. And I didn't, I want to see how do I stand against these other girls? Because India really wasn't a comparison in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I didn't have enough people in the class and all that kind of thing. And I was like, this doesn't really set the standard for me. I want to know how do I pair against those other girls? So Ireland, I lost against, um, oh gosh, I want to say her name was Sandy or something, but she was an American um, figure athlete. She competed in the muscle contest in America literally the week before. I know it was the judge Sandy had said to yeah. her, come to this show. So she'd obviously been seen the week before. They'd already seen her, that kind of thing. And she was very, very good. She deserved to win. So I was up against her and I was like, well, if I'm second to her, okay, I'm not too bad then. And that, yeah. the feedback I got from them was very good. And it was like, overall, you need a bit more muscle tissue, but the condition's pretty much on point. You know, what other shows are you doing? Go again this year. So then when I went to Alicante, it was again, it was, oh God, this is going to be a big lineup. And I remember being backstage with Darren and you know when the list goes up on paper, and I, I was like sitting back there getting a meal or whatever I was doing. And I said, go and have a look at this. How many are on there? What's the final list? And he came back and I went, how many? Eight, nine? He went, 14. And I was mm. like, okay, shit. <laughs> and then um, he, I don't remember much about backstage and going on. I was like, I was just in my zone doing my thing. And I was like, whatever will be, will be. 
And he said to me afterwards, when that lineup was coming out and everyone does their eye walks first, he was like, I was watching that going, oh, she's good. Oh God, she's good. Okay, she's quite good. And then he said to me that his words in his head were, okay, we're good if we're placing anywhere top five on this one, because these, these are stat girls. And then when I placed second in that one, he was over the moon. He was crying. And I was like, oh. I was really happy. And I was like, the girl that served to win won. Um, so I finished that season on, on high and then went into improvement season. Um, and at this point, came off any little assistance that I was on. Um, and then went into improvement. But was that the season that you had a very short improvement season? Was it 2019? No, because that was... Or was it 20? No, because that's when I then got my boobs done. So it was 2019. I then... Okay. Yeah, so I'd... I'd done that show and then i think it was 2020 or the end of 2019 i decided i was getting my boobs done yeah so i was like right i'm gonna take some time off and then obviously 2020 hit and then covid happened but i was like fuck this i'm still gonna prep through covid let's do it because i yeah. got my boobs done before my birthday so i'd recovered fully by the january so i hadn't really had an improvement season yeah per se where i could train properly because i'd had eight weeks off from having surgery but i, I still had the bug i was like, i want to go again and then 2020 was when i did ben Weeder. And I did yeah. Romania. And weirdly, I had improved and I was looking better. Um, and again, at no point had done an assisted off season or anything like that. Um, but I'd come in a lot tighter, a lot leaner. I looked fuller. The peaks were really good that Darren did with me. Um, and then the Ben Weeder was when I went back. And that was probably the last UK show I ever did and probably will ever do again. I wasn't entirely happy with how it was run. Um <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't quite when two bros were in, but it kind of was. It yeah. was all kind of changing. And and yeah, there was a lot of kind of controversy there and things like that. Um, but I remember that show vividly because I was up against a girl that I competed against in Barcelona, Connie. Um, Connie Orange on Instagram, yeah, for those that know Connie. her. Um, and I remember being backstage. Or I remember going to that show and I was on the plane and he said, Connie's doing this show. And I was like, fuck, because I knew she was good. And I thought, God, okay, okay, I'm going to be doing well here if I place up against her. And I remember being backstage and I knew my condition was on point. I was fucking peeled. Like, I looked really good. I was feeling confident. And I remember seeing her backstage and I kind of had a look at her and I was like, okay, I'm more conditioned than her. This, okay, this could go my way. Okay, just be confident, Bex. Just, just to smile and just, just go with it and just be like, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Um, and so I placed higher than her. I came second, she came third. And then I was pipped to the post by another girl. Um, I think it was Rob's client that was there. Um, but that was a very weird show for me. And that really, I think, was a turning point for me where I was like, I'm not competing in the UK again. Because there was a lot of controversy around the judging there. And there were four different coaches in the audience, including Rob Whitfield, who said, I thought you had it, to be honest. And I was like, but your client just beat me. So that yeah. was a really hard thing. And then there were three other coaches there that were like, I thought you had it. I thought you had it. I thought you had it. So that was where I thought I was getting it. Um, so that was a really hard one, a hard pill to swallow. And then I moved on and did, right, we'll do Romania because that's close. Did that one. And that's where Connie came again. And that is a whole weird story in itself because at that point I'd connected with Connie because after backstage and stuff, she was like, you looked amazing. We connected. And I was like, there was no animosity or anything like that. And then she wanted to do another show. I said, I'm doing Romania. Come to Romania. Let's do that one together. I don't know why I thought that. That wasn't a good idea. But I did. And I was just just the way I am. I was like, we've yeah. got accommodation. Just fly out. Come stay with us. And she did. She stayed with us. And we got her meals ready. Da uh, Darren tanned me up. Even tanned her up. We got all ready for show. And then that was where she won her pro card and I didn't. So it was like, that was another weird scenario where it was like, I'd put someone else before myself. And yeah. I was like, I should have just said no. And if I'd gone without her, I could have won. But again, you live and learn. 
and I think everything happens for a reason and everything has a time. And I learned a lot from each of those preps and every single show that I went to. And the biggest thing of all was you don't know who's going to show up. You might bring your best, but there's always someone fucking better than you. Yeah. Always. And Connie was better than me on that yeah. day. 100% she was better than me and she deserved to win. So I was cheering for her and I was happy for her. And we went for a meal afterwards. And then after the night had finished, I went into the bedroom and I had a little cry and did what I did. And that's yeah. normal. So... I learned how, a lot. How do you keep going? Like for anybody... <laughs> it sounds like I'm mental, no, doesn't but, it? No, but like a lot of people put all of the focus and all of their attention on winning. Mm. And like you're very much in that position where a lot of client, a lot of my clients are in. There's a lot of people that have got that dream of becoming an IFBB pro. But it's not as simple as mm -mm. just showing up and getting that. It's very that lucky to, to, to turn up and do that. And then there's some crazy 1% people where they win their pro card, do the pro show and qualify for the Olympia in the same day or same weekend. Yeah. Like it's very rare. Yeah. And the reality is it's not as easy as you think it yeah. is. But like what, ke what keeps you going? Like what is your mentality that you've just came second for the fifth time in a row? <laughs> Like, you keep getting knocked down. What is the reason you go again? There's still more to work to do. Yeah. I, I always just think, well, there's more to give. And I've, I've come close. Yeah. It, and, and it's when I get feedback saying it could have gone either way. Yeah. When you hear that, that's really hard to take. Because yeah. you're like, okay, if this person hadn't shown up or if I'd done something slightly different. or So when I hear that and someone says, you are pro standard, it is coming. I think, okay, so we just reset, we refresh, yeah. and we go again next year. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't do this because I'm chasing a pro card. I do this because I love fucking training every day. Yeah. So even if that wasn't there, I'd still do it. I fell in love with training at a time in my life before I'd even met Darren, before yeah. I knew about bodybuilding. I loved going to the gym because it made me feel fucking good. And it's exactly what I teach my girls on my team or anyone that joins my team. I was like, if you want to feel self-love, and build more self-confidence, do something that's going to challenge you physically and mentally, and you will be amazed at what it can do for your yeah. self-esteem. And I learned that from getting my ass to the gym, doing my runs in the morning, all the things I did before I even got into bodybuilding. So even if bodybuilding wasn't here, if Instagram wasn't here, if yes. the fucking IFBB yes, Pro stage wasn't there, I would still be training. Love like, that. And it's funny because, you know, you go through phases where you're really motivated to train. And I talked about this on Instagram the other day and I was like, there's plenty of days I wake up and go, I can't be fucked to go to the gym, but I always still go. Yeah. Me and Darren have the same. Relentless, baby. Literally, I still you're have relentless. that same conversation every day with Darren. I'm like, oh, we could just not go and we could just sit on the sofa with the dogs all day. We always say it. But then he goes to shower. I get ready. We pack our bag and we yeah. go. But that's just our routine. <laughs> yeah. we, we're not going to not do it. That's I who know. we are. So I think it's, it comes down to the fact that I do this more so for myself than anything. So I would continue training. I've never had a point where I've gone, I want to suck off bodybuilding and quit. Like it's done. Or I've never gone longer than a week without training unless it was an injury or something like that. I think I would go mad if I couldn't go to the gym or do something. Yeah. Um, but with regards to chasing that pro card, I think it's because I always knew that it was, it was close. And the feedback had always given me was, it could have gone either way. Yeah. You're very close. Keep going. Make these improvements. And the biggest feedback I always got from a judge was always your overall structure and symmetry is there. So it's like you don't have an outweighing body part. You just need to grow all over and everything is there. Like you've got the look for figure. I don't have a crazy quad sweep or a sweep or like yeah. crazy drop in my hamstrings or like mad. I have 
good delts. I have a nice wide back. I've got, you know, um, muscle density in my back. My legs can always be improved and I've continuously worked on those. But overall, my structure, my shape when I'm lean is what the figure category is, yeah. is leaning towards and what they're trying to keep towards, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. I'd love your quad sweep. Can I kill for that? <laughs> I'm still trying to work out. But like mechanically and biomechanically, how I'm structured, it's just not there for me. So I can only work with what I've got. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if that answers your question, no, I think it's No, I just... love that because it does go back to your mentality at the end of the day. And I love the fact that you mentioned big old Instagram. I know. Because that's one of the questions that I ask every single person when I have a coaching, co like, Zoom call with them. Mm. Why do you want to compete? Yeah. Give me three reasons mm -hmm. why you want to, to step on stage. And if one of them isn't training, I'll be like, well, is, is it actually what you want to, mm. to do? Because it's not... It's not something that you should be doing. And you for won't a, survive a prep. A bikini you... babe body or for a freaking Instagram post. No. Because I do think that, and completely agree, if Instagram wasn't there, how many people do you think would be still showing up and, and going to the gym? Mm -hmm. Because they're not getting that instant gratification from a like or a story reply because they've posted... A training session literally and it is your love for training but also it's your love for training yes but it's just being in it for the process mm. like you having that mentality that you're close you'll keep going you'll mm. keep going like i gained a lot of respect for you i'm not uh, when was it was it the 2021 yeah see yeah fucking hell that was 38 weeks on prep yeah you did uh, how much shows did you do that season Four or five was it? God, I have to think now how many I did. I, it was definitely more than four, I mm. think, because I remember I was keeping up to date with your Instagram. Oh, and I was on I was YouTube like, nonstop with that as well. And I, I was literally like, no, documented she's, the whole she's thing. Not, she's not got it again. I know. And then, like, I was like, holy shit, she's going again. She's going again. And because it was it closer at the end of the year, you stopped. Yeah, because I did the amateur in yes. um, Vegas. So it was the, uh, it was, I want to say it was three. Why don't I remember this? Maybe I've just deleted this from my mind. I shouldn't really. It's tight. Who's there? No, I did Portugal twice, Alicante, and then it was America. I'm sure it was only four that year. I say that like only four. But the distance between them was tough because originally I didn't want to do um, Florida, which was where the Olympia was being held. I wanted to do Italy. But because I think it was another round of COVID or something had happened where it was, if you were in a European country, you couldn't go to America unless you'd had... A certain amount of time back in Dubai or something there was something to do with like travel and stuff that caused an issue so I did yeah Portugal twice and every um show I got better so like the first Portugal one I was good but it wasn't my best then the second Portugal one I think was probably my best look my most favorite at that time um the peak was perfect everything was really good we didn't do anything crazy in the peak leading up but you know we did um a fat load leading in and then we just trickled in yeah. carbs and it was just it was perfect it was really really nice look and then um, Alicante again. So in those shows, I lost to some fantastic athletes. So in the first Portugal one, I lost to a Portuguese athlete and she had mega quads, mega delts, and she was Portuguese. And so the judges knew her. So there was that. But the second show was actually, um, oh gosh, I'm going to get her name wrong now. It's the German girl that's been to the Olympia and is in the Olympia now. Anna, Anna? No, the one with the blonde hair. Oh yeah, is I know. It, I want to say it's Anna. Yeah, Why am I thinking it is. it's Anna? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, she came out and I remember seeing her quads ripple on stage and I was like, well, I haven't fucking got this. And I knew I was coming second. So then when we were there and they called her name first, I knew I was second, it was fine. Um, she went on to do the Portugal Pro Show and then placed second there to Rhea. Do you know Rhea Gale? Yeah. So she was like Olympia standard. So I was like, okay, I've lost to another extremely fantastic athlete. athlete yeah. And then in Alicante, same thing. Um, no, she was called Anna. The German girl's called, I'm so sorry, terrible names. I'll remember it afterwards. But Anna was the the tall girl, a lot of muscle. Again, she's gone on to compete well as a pro and qualify for the Olympia. So I lost to her in Alicante. So again, I was up against big girls in these European shows. And then it was, right, I'll do one more. I'll stay on prep. Um, and at that time, Darren was coaching people for the Olympia. He had um, three athletes competing in the Olympia. So he was like, I'm going to Florida anyway. Just stay on and do this one if you want to do another. And at that time, he was like, I don't think you should. Your body is tired. You've been on prep for like... 30 weeks, another eight weeks to keep going. It's a lot to ask of your body. Um, and I was like, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. We're going to be there anyway. Let's just do it. And it was the worst I'd ever looked. I think my body, yeah, just, just tired. It was given up by then. That I'm was not- the only time that it was like, it just faded. Yeah. And I knew my body was gone because on show day, I was violently ill backstage. Yeah. Violently ill. I think I'd, I'd had my first meal and then it was like a couple of squares of dark chocolate, some chicken and whatever it was, pump up. I couldn't even pump up. I had to ask where the bathroom was and I was violently sick, both yeah. ends. And I was like, no way. And then I remember just having cramps on stage because I'd been sick and it was just, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's the thing is knowing when to call it a day and mm. just being like, right, we'll just call it a day. I should never have done that show. But yeah. I learned a lot from that, yeah. that prep. And that taught me relentless. And that was when I was reading Tim Grover's Relentless and Winning. And I was just like, let's just fucking go. Let's what, keep going. What is the biggest thing that you've learned now after all of those failures? Like, yes, okay, keep going. But when it comes to your whole journey as a bodybuilder, what would be your biggest lesson or biggest piece of advice to anybody that's listening, chasing the same goal as what you did? Rather than chasing a goal, chase progress. Yeah. Always look for progress in yourself because at the end of the day, the goalposts can shift, the goals can change, the rules can change. If you truly love training and you live for this bodybuilding lifestyle, and I say lifestyle and people throw it out there too often, but I'm like, do you eat consistently the same meals every single day? Yeah. Do you actually live the bodybuilding lifestyle? Yeah. Do you do it when people aren't watching? Yeah. You know, and do you prefer to do that than actually go out and be sociable and do the other things? I couldn't think of anything worse to go to a nightclub or a beef right now yeah. or go and drink. <laughs> no, if someone asked me to do that, we've <laughs> talked about, we've got the Olympia this weekend. That means I've got to stay up past 9pm yeah. to watch something. I'm going to freaking die. I love yeah. my routine. Yeah. So do it for the reasons that you live this lifestyle anyway. Yeah. And you're chasing progress. You want to see the progress in your physique regardless yeah. of the outcome of a show. And it's what I try and encourage my clients. I'm like preparing for a show is not fucking easy bodybuilding year round isn't easy because you're challenging yourself in a growth phase and you're challenging yourself on a prep in two very different manners. And it really hurts. And you know, your body is going through a lot. If you don't enjoy that process and you don't enjoy the pain, but then the product afterwards and the progress you see, it's not for you. You know, there's plenty of other things you could do. You could prep for a photo shoot. It's not as drastic, although a lot of my girls take it to those, those measures and they really do get really lean for their photo shoots. But I think if you really are passionate about this and you do it for the right reasons, don't give up, but have a game plan and be realistic. Go into these shows with, am I looking my best? Have I brought my best? I don't know who's going to show up and what the judge is going to think. Because if I went into every single one of those shows and then had my heart broken every time I got second, which was like, what, eight times, nine times I came second? Yeah. Something like that. 
I would have given up a long time ago. Yeah, 100%. No, that's really, really good. Like, would you say you've always been, like, a really positive person? Because what I find is that every single person that preaches confidence, except, like, myself, the reason why I am the way that I am is because I've had trauma and things happen to me in my life that has made me be that kind of person mm -hmm. and realize that you're in complete control of your actions and the way that you speak to yourself. And the reason why I ask that is because you're obviously a female, you're in a male, male dominant industry, you don't look the same as 90% of the female, like of females, you're doing something that is not what the normal female married woman is mm. supposed to do. You're mm -hmm. not a stay-at-home mom. You're someone that's got a business. You're working for your money. You're not working to be under, like, a man. Like, where, how do you, like, what was, like, the reason as to why you, like, started, like, podcasting and, like, self-help books and everything? It's a hard one because I think, to a degree, work ethic, I think, comes from both of my parents, like I mentioned earlier. But I think my mother has always been a very determined, confident, outspoken woman. And in her own right, when she worked her way up through the council to become where she was at a very senior leadership position, she had to manage quite a lot. And so she's super organized. I learned my organization skills from her. Yeah. So I always learned that you can do multiple things at multiple times. You can you can get lots of shit done at once. So don't ever stop at one thing. Keep going. Um, but equally, I think her m mindset, mentality, and the way in which she carries herself, she's a very strong, confident woman. I've definitely got that from her. With regards to not being a typical woman, yeah, my mum was a mum, but she wasn't a stay-at-home mum. She yeah. was like, I'm going to work. Yeah, I she love that. She started as a cleaner in the council and she worked her ass off yeah. to get to the top and be a senior leader and an operations manager. So I learned that from her that you can do those things, but you need to be able to work hard and that women shouldn't just be in the kitchen yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And my mom doesn't cook. My dad does all the cooking because he's Greek. So I think yeah. that's where that comes <laughs> oh, from. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Do you get uh, gyros then? Is that what they're called? Gyros. Gyros. <laughs> but, um, Say that again. Gyros. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna sound so weird on the mic for the podcast people <laughs> listening. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I learned a lot of that from my mum. And then very similar to you, like being a child and being bullied at school, yeah. or going through relationships where you've been beaten down or told you're yeah. not good enough. To a degree that breaks you down, but there's only so far you can go before you have to build yourself back up. Yeah. And when you learn how to build yourself back up every time you've had a knockdown, you just get stronger. It's like you yeah. build another layer, another shield. And it doesn't mean that you don't let people in. It just means you become stronger batting off the shit when it comes your way. Yeah. Um, and so I think I did a lot of that myself before I met Darren. And yeah. then when we, we went through our very difficult times and with his mental health and, you know, he attempted to take his life not once but twice that was a new level of low. And I suddenly realized that it's not just myself I have to look after, but I have to be there for someone else as well. So the way in which I portray myself and the positive attitude I have towards my life and how I practice gratitude all comes from that experience and that journey that we had together. I didn't start writing a gratitude journal until we went through those times where I thought our lives were over and I was going to lose oh, him. Oh, don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
but until you know you're going to lose someone like that was that was the worst night of my life i remember exact date the exact time what happened how i found him and i won't go into the details but that changed my life forever when yeah. you think you're going to lose someone and no one knows what that's like unless they've been through it yeah um and so that's when i really did some deep soul searching and was like i need to learn how to practice gratitude be more self-aware yeah. Um, and I need him to do the same. So let's do it together. Um, and to a degree, he took a lot on board and he has his own way of doing things. But I never let that go after that day. So it's funny because whenever people buy me birthday presents, Christmas presents, it's always like a new journal or it's a gratitude book or it's a mindset book. Um, and that's when I went very heavy into the mindset development books and found various on. I've read hundreds. You've been, you're in my bloody yeah. book, book club. You've seen I've read so many. Um, but you're writing think, your own book. I am. But it's when on hold. Is it oh my God, I'm so bad. So the last entry I did in that book was in December 2022. Would you believe? I know. I loved watching your like stories and everything. Because mm-hmm. you used to do it like little chapters yeah. at a time. I, I, I used to, yeah. But you had wrote so much of it already, didn't 100, you? 100,000 words already. Six That's chapters. your goal. Yeah. I need to get back to that. But before, when, I know. before the new year. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah, it I'm took wanting, me six no, months wa- to write that much. I'm wanting you to do at least, <sighs> promise yourself that you'll even think of a line a week. Okay, I will. You need to get that baby published. I do, I do. <laughs> okay, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, I, did, no, I need to we come have, back to that. We've rambled. I know, <laughs> I'm so long, sorry. I know, don't be silly. But back onto that kind of mindset shift and thing. I think it's, it's more a case of when you've been through hard shit, you learn how to pick yourself up. You only have two options, it's sink or swim. Yes. And there was no option for me to sink because I had to pick Darren up and I had to be his life jacket. Yeah. So I could have gone into a hole and been like, I can't fucking deal with this. You know, and there were times my parents said, look, you know, if things aren't working out and he's, you know, it's not working, you can get a divorce, you can move back to the UK. And I was like, no, I'm going to make this fucking work. Um, And at that time, we had no one to talk to. When you're thousands of miles away from family, you can't message them and say, my husband just tried to kill himself. What do I do? What are they going to do? Yeah. They can't do anything. They're miles away. They're going to want to get on a plane and help you. So I had to just figure Keep it out i, I had to that. figure it out and when you've been through that fuck a show's nothing prep is yeah, nothing i'm sorry exactly. it's nothing if you could give the listeners just one piece of advice God. just to finish this what would it be find your passion find your purpose yes. find something that gives you fulfillment and that you feel you could wake up every single day and be like i could do this for the rest of my life and i'm happy whether that be training whether that be helping people whether that be writing a freaking book whether that be working in tesco i don't care find something that you are passionate about and focus on doing that every day because your life can change at any moment if you're not happy with the trajectory of your life change it yeah you have the chance to change anything in your life and i've changed my life multiple times we've had big shifts and i wouldn't change any of them because every single one has led me to where i am now we talk about me being a teacher and working with children, but that led me into presenting and teaching other teachers. Now I'm a coach, yeah. which is helping people and presenting. I'm on YouTube, I'm on podcasts. Yeah. All of those things in my life have all led me to where I am today. Yeah. And now I'm writing a freaking book. Who knows? Oh, it's so amazing. But follow, guys, you need to keep up with her YouTube. If any of you guys need a business mentor as well. Oh, bless you. She is your boss, babe. She's also got her podcast, walk with Bex and obviously she's an online fitness coach so yeah thank you so 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 much beautiful also i'll obviously leave all the links for <laughs> everything <laughs> in the description let's see 
actually remember. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm looking forward to training uh, Delts tomorrow. I know. Yeah. 100%. Be fun. We will see you in the next one, guys. Peace. I need to get you on the podcast again. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, think I feel like we didn't dive into no, too much. I, we, we, I was we, like, we fuck, we're going to have I know, two hours. I know. We need to go. 